I'm Lights Camera Jackson. This is the LCJ Q&A podcast. You can also read these interviews at animationscoop.com. Thank you for listening. Hope you're doing well. Fantastic new book all about the iconic Disney princesses. Disney Princess Beyond the Tiara, the stories, the influence, the legacy. It is available Tuesday, September 20th. Joining me now, the author, Emily Zemler. Emily, welcome to the LCJ Q&A. Thanks so much, Jackson. I'm excited to be here. And this book has been such a long difficult process. It's so nice to be speaking about a finished version. Uh, yes, it's done. It's almost out there. It is fantastic. I've had the chance to read it. And, you know, there have been so many iconic Disney movies, especially these princess films. And many of them are about dreams. And how do you feel that this book was a dream come true for you? Well, I think it's a pretty obvious answer is that someone comes to you and says, do you want to write a book about the Disney princess? You think like, are you sure? Is that a job that someone actually gets <laughs> as an adult? And yeah, it was really a dream. I mean, both to just get to write the book, but also to actually get to delve into all these subjects. You know, when I was approached to do this, it was a very short little not even paragraph idea. And then it was up to me to flesh out what would this look like? What do we want to know about these characters and these stories? So that was really fun to get to figure out what are the stories behind the characters? What don't audiences know about them? What hasn't been investigated? It is so in-depth and so cool to read all about the princesses and the movies and so many different aspects. And in your research, going back and watching these movies maybe more thoroughly than you had before, how was that experience of, of going back and looking at these films in a new way? It was great. When I got the first you know, go-ahead to work on the book, of course, that was the first thing I needed to do, right, was to rewatch all the films but also to watch every iteration of the Disney princess as they have appeared on screen for the last several decades. So that was a lot, but it was really interesting to revisit films that I hadn't seen in a long time, especially as an adult. I grew up, I was born in 83. So I grew up with the films of the Disney Renaissance being really impactful and getting to rewatch stuff like the little mermaid and Aladdin and Mulan it was really interesting and really gratifying to realize that these things that had had such an impact on me growing up continued to have that same impact and were just as good as they were back then. There's a reason that these things have sustained for so long. One of these films in particular has had a true impact on me, which is Beauty and the Beast. It is my all-time favorite movie. It has been, it will forever be. And you describe Belle in the book as being courageous and relatable, which is very true. What did you enjoy learning about Beauty and the Beast, which I think is part of that renaissance for sure and, and an absolute masterpiece? Yeah, it's an absolute masterpiece. The best part of researching Beauty and the Beast was speaking to Linda Wolverton, who was the screenwriter of the film. And then she went on to also write the stage production of Beauty and the Beast that went to Broadway and is currently in the West End in England. And she is just absolutely wonderful. She was one of the first interviews I did for the book. And hearing her talk about the way she wanted to make Belle feel intelligent and relatable and she really wanted Belle to be someone who was a reader. And she was inspired by Meg from Little Women, which I think we can see that correlation with Belle. And the most interesting thing I learned was that at the time, so Ariel had been a pretty feisty, go get it yourself sort of hero. 
but she wasn't quite there in terms of empowerment. And then we got Belle, who was this really intelligent, wanted to have an adventure kind of woman. And because audiences responded so strongly to Belle and she was so popular, and especially because she had brown hair, which we'd not really seen in a Disney princess, they went on to change Jasmine and Aladdin to make her more empowered and to give her more of that sort of feistiness and relatability and sense of adventure. So I thought that was really amazing that they responded to why people connected so strongly with Belle. And then they brought that forward in the characters that came after. There you go. Yeah. And the stage production of Beauty and the Beast is incredible, too. I saw that when I was very young. And one of the other princesses you highlight is Merida. I recently spoke with brave co-director Steve Purcell, who loved bringing her to life and helping Kelly McDonald find kind of the tone of voice and and attitude that teenagers have. What did you love most uh, learning about Merida, the Pixar princess? Well, I love Merida. I think She was so important because at the time we had gotten all these amazing Pixar films and they'd been really groundbreaking and really wonderful emotional stories, but we hadn't had a female protagonist. And as a woman, that felt like a lack and you want to be able to see yourself on screen. You want to be able to feel like you can relate to the heroes that are presented to you. So when Brave was announced, I was so excited just beyond. I just felt like it was such a great idea to sort of subvert that princess fairy tale story in a new way. And Merida, I think, is really an important character because she has really strong and important qualities to her, but she also is fallible. She makes a really big mistake and she has to own up to that mistake. And I think that's a really important thing for especially young people to get to see on screen is that a character can make a mistake and it's okay to make a mistake. And you often do make mistakes when you're young, but you have to rectify those mistakes. And in doing that, Merida then gets this amazing reconciliation with her mother. And I think that was also something we hadn't really seen in a Pixar Disney film, because as you know, many of the Disney princesses have not very positive relationships with their mother figures. And so getting to see that was, I think, a really key moment for a lot of viewers. Yeah, definitely. And and one of the other things you really dive into in Beyond the Tiara is the fact that the Disney Princess group is a real franchise. It is a brand when it comes to the merchandising and the impact that this brand has had on so many for generations. How do you feel that this group, this collective group, speaks to the Disney brand of today and this generation's kids? Yeah, I think that not everyone realizes that it's a it's a franchise. It's yeah. something that was created by what was called Disney Consumer Products and is now called Disney's Disney Parks and Experiences, I think. I can't, I, that might not be correct, but it was created by behind the scenes at Disney to help these characters come together because prior to 2000, when the franchise was created, the characters existed separately. We would have never seen them interact. There wouldn't have been a lot of merchandise except when the films were coming out. And especially sort of in the time before that, there wasn't a ton of specific princess merchandise. But in creating a franchise, it allowed the characters to interact with each other. It allowed for them to share their stories and to be part of branding collectively. And what that does is it brings the audience together with the princesses. So instead of seeing Snow White over there and Tiana over there, you're part of this group of friends who's all supporting one another. And I think that's been really 
impactful on the way that they're presented. And today, the way that the princesses are presented is very different than the way that they've been presented historically, which we talked a lot about in the writing of this book, which is that each Disney princess is a reflection of the time in which she was made. So the values that are presented on screen reflect the values of that era rather than the values that we hold today. But by continuing this franchise and continuing to refresh these characters, Disney has been able to keep them current and let them feel modern. And the thing that really unites them is that sense of adventure and curiosity and courageousness and kindness. And that's something that we can all relate to. And I think that has a really big impact on young women who get to see characters who go out into the world and embrace their own story. And so that's sort of how Disney presents them today is that each princess has a sense of adventure and she wants to be the leader of her narrative. Mm. And how Disney is also presenting them today is through these live action versions of many of these films, uh, whether it's Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent or The New Beauty and the Beast, there have been so many and probably many more on the way. How have these live action blockbusters, how do you feel they've changed the perception of these princesses? So I think that the Walt Disney Studios live reimaginings, and that's what they like to call them, is reimaginings rather than a remake, because it's it's taking the character in a new direction. They have enabled us to bring these characters who were created in specific eras with specific values into a more present and modern experience of the character. So it doesn't mean that you're taking Cinderella and putting her story in modern day, but it does mean that you are presenting her through modern day values. So I think the live action reimaginings have allowed us to impart what we believe female characters should be into the stories. So you'll notice that more recent ones, like the upcoming Little Mermaid and the upcoming Snow White adaptations, they have a more diverse and inclusive casting. Mm the characters tend to be more outwardly feminist. Uh, They tend to reflect what we're interested in and what we are embracing today. And I think that has been a way for the Walt Disney Studios to take beloved characters that we grew up with, but to give them a sort of more contemporary look. I was blown away by Kenneth Branagh's 2015 Cinderella. It was one of my favorite movies that year. The costumes, Lily James, Kate Blanchett, just love that movie. Emily Zemler is with me now on the LCJ Q&A podcast. Her book, Disney Princess Beyond the Tiara, is available September 20th. The foreword is by Jody Benson, the voice of Ariel in The Little Mermaid. Fantastic insights from her about the press tour she did for the movie 35 years ago and yearning for something more. What does it mean to you to have Jody Benson do the foreword for your book it means a lot i can't even tell you jackson how it felt when i called ariel's cell phone (laughs) that was a really surreal moment and she sounds like ariel her voice sounds like that so you're speaking to someone on the phone and they sound like this character that you watched on screen over and over again when you were a child that is a really strange and wonderful feeling to have and Behind the scenes of a book, you know, requesting interviews and trying to figure out who will write the foreword is a really challenging process. It takes months and months and there's a lot of approvals and different people involved in that process. But we always wanted it to be Jody. That was my 
pick from early on, I felt that she was the right voice to open this book. I think the reader of this book is someone who grew up with Disney and who grew up loving Disney. And this is a book for adults. And so that means someone who grew up maybe in the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s and loved those films of the Disney Renaissance that we mentioned before. So Jodi's sort of the, the voice of that. And it was just wonderful to hear her stories. Obviously, the foreword and her quotes in the book are quite short. We spoke for probably over an hour. So I have a lot of stuff from her that's not used that will just belong to her and I. That's kind of special then to have that that intimate conversation with an, a voice acting icon and you'll always have that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. What are some of your favorite Disney princess toys and collectibles. You get into that in the book as well. And I have so many, not just from Beauty and the Beast, but Pezzes and Pops and figures from uh, the animated films of the 90s and 2000s and 2010s. What are some of your favorites uh, related to the Disney princess movies? Growing up, the main thing I had was all the Barbie dolls. At that time, Mattel was making the Disney princess dolls. So I had a Jasmine and Aladdin doll. And I don't know if you've ever seen them, but the way that they were made was that Aladdin's little hat was like glued onto his head. So it was like part of his hair mm -hmm. and Jasmine's earrings were glued onto her ears and they were part of her ear. They were really amazing. And I had a lot of little mermaid stuff and I had a Pocahontas Barbie. I wish I'd had a Mulan Barbie. I don't know if they made those. And Unfortunately, about 12 years ago, my parents' house was lost in a forest fire. So all of my childhood toys and collectibles burned up. Oh. So currently, the only Disney princess memorabilia in my house is this book that I wrote. Wow. Wow. So sorry to hear that. But at least you have the memories of, of your childhood and, and having those and playing with those. And they, they carry you through into this book for sure. And, and you mentioned at the beginning of it, you always wanted to speak with animals. That's one of the things you mentioned. Now, if you could have a conversation with any of the animal friends of any of the princesses, who would it be? That's a very challenging question, Jackson. And I, I, I have to say Raja. I had a stuffed Raja. That was another of my Disney princess toys that I had growing up. I just love the Jasmine Raja relationship. She was one of my favorite Disney princesses alongside Ariel and Belle. And yeah, I just wouldn't you love to have a tiger that like followed you around mm -hmm. and knew your emotional state and was there to support you? Yeah, yeah. Great choice there. I, I'd maybe go with Pascal from Tangled. I love Tangled. I, I think that's a great movie. And and uh, Pascal is a fun character as well. And before we wrap up here, Eboli, I think people remember, especially in that Renaissance, and my, my father went to Beauty and the Beast on opening day, and he loved it so much the first time he stuck around and saw it again immediately. Uh, people have the memory of going to these theaters and seeing these films. What is the strongest memory you have of going to see one of these Disney princess movies on the big screen? I remember seeing most of them when I was a kid. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, and we would go to the local theater that was next to the Safeway on opening day. So I remember seeing Pocahontas the day it opened. Mm. My strongest memory, and this is maybe not my fondest, but it's a little bit hilarious now, is going to see Sleeping Beauty when they had, you know, when they were reissuing it in theaters when mm. I was a kid. And I was so scared when Maleficent turned into a dragon that I had to be taken out of the theater. 
Wow. Which I think goes to show you how powerful that animation really was. Yeah, you're right. Uh, these movies have an impact on us. And I think people who read this book, Disney Princess Beyond the Tiara, are going to think about the memories of seeing these films, think about the toys when they were children, think about going to the parks and interacting with these princesses. You do great things with the autographs in a section of the book talking about that. I, I think this is a fantastic read and, and insight for diehard Disney fans. Emily Zemler, the author of Disney Princess Beyond the Tiara, the stories, the influence, the legacy. It's available Tuesday, September 20th. Thank you so much for being on the LCJ Q&A today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to speak about the book. Absolutely. I am Lights Camera Jackson. For more, you can go to lights-camera-jackson.com and listen to all these LCJ Q&A episodes at Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And for even more, my Twitter is at LCJ Reviews. Thank you for listening to the LCJ Q&A.